0: Let's dive in. You guys ready? Ah, all right. So, actually, let me just pray. Pray for me. Can you guys pray for me? This is the cool part. So, Lord, I just ask that, that you would speak through me this morning, Lord, that hearts would be open, and uh, Lord, that you would reveal your truths, you would reveal your wisdom, and Lord, that we would walk in obedience to your ways. So Father, I thank you for just that anointing of your presence in this place. Lord, I thank you that we walk out of here, all of us, different from how we, ca- how we entered. Lord, that we continue in that transformation process of beholding your glory, reflecting your glory, and going from glory to glory, in Jesus' name, amen. So we have been in the book of Joshua for the past few months, and the Lord has been figuratively leading us across the Jordan, right? So we've been crossing the Jordan, we're, we're going into the promised land, and, uh, and Pastor Andrew a few weeks ago, he did a great job of kind of summarizing this, so I'm not going to do it again. You can go back and listen to the beginning of his message as he summarized uh, kind of these over these last... Months where we have gone, how we've crossed the Jordan, and the steps that we've taken, and every step has been a critical place. Uh, it's been just this time of like every week realizing what the Lord is doing. When we when we give him when when we deliver a message from up here on a Sunday morning, it is not a like pre-planned thing that we have planned out for the last you know few months. It's week by week as we're seeking the Lord, and He's going. Okay, here's the next step. Okay, here's the next step. It would be a lot easier if we could just plan this thing out and. You know, have all the messages planned. Sometimes it's last minute, Saturday at 4 o'clock. He's like, okay, here's the message. And you're like, ah! (laughs) He always, he is a God of the last minute, right? You guys know that? How many times have you been praying for things and going, Lord, help? I think what he's doing is he's testing our faith. Like, will you really trust me? Because if I give you the answer six months in advance, you're like, okay, this is easy. But if it's like at the 12th hour of the last day, uh, you really have to trust him, right? Makes it fun. I'm sure the Lord loves it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and then Pastor Andrew, he talked about uh, t- our faith, married with obedience actually activates the promise. And this is critical for us. And actually, uh, uh, Tracy, he was just, we were talking about this this morning and uh, felt like even for where we are today, it's 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 so important that we, that we stay in that place of walking in obedience, even when we don't feel like it. And uh, we're, he was just saying, the Lord was just showing him, like in you know, Naaman with Elisha, uh, Naaman goes and he's like, hey, I need to be healed of leprosy and, and this guy can do it. And, and so he goes up to him and, and, uh, and as he walks up, he's expecting Elisha to come out and, and, you know, and present himself before Naaman, who's this really cool guy, he thinks. And uh, and it's like the servant girl comes out and is like, hey, (laughs) this is what you need to do. Tells him what he needs to do. And then he's really upset because he's like, I got to wash in that dirty little river called the Jordan River. Like, that's crazy. And I got to do it seven times. He's like, not a chance. But guess what? He goes after getting kind of pushed. uh, He goes and he does it. But this is the funny part. He doesn't do it because he's loving the Lord and he goes, okay, I love the Lord and I'll walk in obedience. He actually does it begrudgingly, right? And the Lord still heals him. Is that crazy? So I, I think for us, this is what we were, we we're feeling is that, that this is kind of a word for us today that you may be in a place where the Lord has asked you to do something and you're like, ugh, I'm not doing it just do it begrudgingly, and I think you'll still be blessed. (laughs) Uh, There is something about as you activate in that place of obedience and with faith that there is a release of your promise, and you might be this close to your promise, and there is a breakthrough that you need, and the breakthrough is actually just stepping into obedience and doing what he's called you to do. So, that's for somebody today. Uh, So then last week, I my very favorite speaker spoke. It was, she, she is amazing. Uh, it was my wife. And uh, she did an awesome job. She spoke on, on the, what did she speak on? Focusing on the prize. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that one would get me in trouble. Uh, that we have to focus on the prize. And, and so here's the thing, is I believe we have a prize in front of us. The Lord has told us we have 5,000 that we're going after. And, and you guys, you guys have the cards that with your five that you're praying for I just want to encourage you if you if you don't have the card what we what we have is we have a card that we, we've all written are the five people that the Lord has put on our heart to pray for to bring into the kingdom and so I would encourage you grab just you can even grab a card in front of you and just ask the Lord and put the five names and begin to pray over those five people if we all do that we're going to see if if we do I got to get my math right here. If we have a thousand people and we and we have pray for five people and they all come into the kingdom, how many is that? Five thousand. That's pretty easy math. Um, but here's the thing: I, I don't believe it's going to be a conventional way that this happens. When the, when the Israelites crossed over, what's the first obstacle that they faced, which was part of their promise? It was Jericho, right? The Jericho with the walls. And what did they do? They, they go up and the Lord says, I want you to march around it seven times. You guys all know the story. But, but no one would ever go, hey, remember, remember when they did that like a while back or, uh, at that other place where they marched around and all the walls fell down? Let's do that again. Like that has never happened. It was an unconventional way. It didn't make any sense, yet they went after it. They walked in obedience and faith and it activated the promise, right? So, I believe we're gonna to continue to seek the Lord in this and we are gonna see the 5,000 come into the kingdom. We're seeing people come in every week. It's awesome, but it's gonna inc- to have to increase exponentially to get 5,000 in. So we're gonna to continue to seek the Lord in this and go after it. And I believe too that this, is, this isn't like the end, like, oh, we did it, we got the 5,000. This is like Jericho, but there were 30 other kingdoms. It, it's, it lists out 31 kingdoms in Joshua 12 that, uh, that the Israelites took down that they conquered, and this was just the first of the 31, and every single one of them is amazing, it's an amazing story of God's goodness, and how he came through, and how he did things that they couldn't do on their own, so this is just the first one, we're just stepping into something amazing, but I believe there's so much more, we're at the tip of the iceberg, you guys ready? That was a pretty weak yes. (laughs) <laughs> we're in trouble if that's alright <laughs> No, I know you guys are awesome. Um, okay, so today this is what I want to focus in on. I was praying through this, and and I felt like the Lord said, "This is <laughs> this is one of those messages that it's the warning, it's the it's the reminder uh, that we need to go as we're pressing in, as we're going after this. There's this kind of like, okay, now we need a little bit of a warning in things that are about to happen here. And um, so I want you to, if you have your Bibles or your phones, turn to me, with me uh, to 1 Corinthians 10. And I'm going to just, I'm going to read verse 11 through 13. And I think we can put it up on the screen as well, so you can follow along there. It's always good to have your Bibles, though. Mark up your Bibles. Mine is like black marked all throughout. It's good, uh, just with your notes. Uh, okay, it says this. These things happened to them as examples for us. What's he talking about here? This is Paul, and, and I'm not going to, I'll just give you the context of this, but he's talking about the Israelites. So you're looking at the Old Testament. This is the New Testament. This is the, the first letter to the, to the Corinthians, and, and he's saying, look, all this stuff in the Old Testament, this happened as an example to us. So we need to actually heed the warnings here. It's like, don't just disregard it and go, a lot of times what we do is we go, well, that's the old covenant. That's the old stuff. Well, God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Now, Christ has come in. Things have changed there, and we're under the blood, under the covering because of what Christ did for us, and we have the Holy Spirit now, which the old, in the Old Testament they did not have. But... We're still operating in the same context. We still need to obey the Lord as we did, as they did in the Old Testament, and we can still get ourselves in some serious trouble if we walk out from under His covering. There is grace. We have an we have this awesome grace, but that doesn't give us the freedom to walk in sin. That gives us the freedom to walk out of sin, right? Amen. Those few amens are good. Um, So... This is what it says. These things happened to them, the Israelites, as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. Who lives at the end of the age? We do. We're in the last days. It says in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Uh, The sons and daughters will prophesy, old men will dream dreams, and the young men will have visions. Young men and women, that's men and women. But we're in the last days. This was, this was Peter spoke of this in, uh, in Acts 2. He was, he was referring back to Joel. But we're in the last days. This is the last times. And so we need to realize that the warnings here of what happened in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, even these things that, are, that we're reading, this is for us today. And so it goes on to say, if you think you're standing strong, this is Paul talking, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. He didn't say, if you think you're weak right now and, and, like, the enemy can attack you, be careful not to fall. He's like, no, no, no. If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. This is what we see. It's, well, it goes on to say the temptations in your life, they're no different from what others experience. How many people, and especially, like, pastors, leaders, uh, influential people, how many people have we seen just in our lifetime that have fallen, like that we, we, we kind of look up to, them. we go, oh, these are like great people, and all of a sudden, bam, and then we're like, ah, oh, yeah, I knew they were going to do that all along, <laughs> right, and I, I don't want to mention any names, because I, 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 there's no reason to throw people under the bus, I'll go back to the Old Testament, though, I mean, you got, you got King Saul, uh, just three in a row there, King Saul, King David, King Solomon, and they all fell, right? These are three great men that the Lord established. He established their kingdom, and each one of them fell in different ways. And, and so we go, well, what we have to be careful about is that we don't go, well, we've got it figured out. We're not going to do that. We actually, there, this is that warning of if you're standing strong, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. Uh, the one person I will say that, man, I just... I think, has done, an, uh, did an amazing job. He actually, kind of like Paul, he ran the race, is Billy Graham. Uh, this guy, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the documentary. There's an amazing documentary that's out there on Netflix. And uh, if you haven't seen it, I would highly recommend it. It's so good. It will stir your heart. And, and this is a man, you go, what did he do that was so amazing? What he did is he preached the gospel. He would just say, the Word of God says, Pfft. the Bible says, Pfft. And, and this guy had more influence, I believe, than, than any other man on the face of the earth with leaders around the world. In his lifetime, he met with every single president uh, up until uh, Clinton, I believe. Oh uh, No, it was even Obama. He met with Obama. So all the way through Obama, Obama. Uh, he met with every single president, and then, but all around the world too, met with so many leaders. And why? The Lord gave him favor in his life. Why? Because he did what he was supposed to do. He preached the gospel. He preached the word. That's all he did. And the Holy Spirit came upon him and moved in mighty ways. But this is for all of us. This isn't just for the, those few people. We all have that opportunity to do this. Uh, but there are these warning signs. As we were, we just got back from the mountains, and as we were driving through the mountains. If I don't heed the warning signs, like we were going up to Grand Lake and uh, I don't know if you've been over that pass, but there's some hair, call them hairpin turns because they're like 180 degree turns. If I don't heed those warning signs that say slow down, like 90 or 180 degree turn, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) What's going to happen? We're going to go flying off the edge, right? So there are signs that I feel like the Lord gives us to, "Hey, hey, these are the warning signs. Heed them well. Take them in. Um, Christian and I were laughing the other day. There's a, there's a joke. I'm going to read this to you. Um, and I feel like this kind of ties in here with the message. It says, a priest and a pastor from a local parish in a church, they were standing by the side of the road. And they were holding up a sign that read, the end is near. Turn back now before it's too late. So they planned to hold up this sign for each passing car. And as the first car sped past, the driver leaned out the window and yelled, leave us alone, you religious nuts. As the car rounded the curve, they heard some screeching tires and then a big splash. One clergy said to the other, Do you think we should have just put a sign up that said, Bridge Out? <laughs> we need to heed the signs. We need to heed the warnings, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. In 2 Timothy 4, and you can go to this as well, and I'm going to start in verse 2, Paul gives us this charge. And he gives it to Timothy, but he's really giving it to us as well. And he says, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. And that's be prepared in season and out of season. This is in the NLT, by the way. I'm reading out of the NLT. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. What's the good teaching? That's the Matthew 28, right? That, that we would teach to obey all the commands of God. This is part of the Great Commission. It's the, we call it the Great Omission to the Commission because people leave that part out. Um, but this is the part that we would patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage people with good teachings. And then in verse 3 and 4, it says this, and you guys have heard this, but I want, to, I want to go back into this. I feel like this is so important that we understand. It says, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teachings. They will follow their own desires and they will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and they will chase after myths. Now, a lot of times when we read these scriptures, like we read that and we go, well, that's the non-believers. This is actually referring, this is the church. These are the ones that, like, right here. Now, not obviously not in this church, but other churches. <laughs> but this is referring to the church, and even today, that a lot of times what people are looking for, they're looking for those messages that, that actually justify the lifestyle that they're living. And and we have to be so cautious that we don't get caught up in that, that we're not looking for those, those feel-good messages that just that go, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm living my life okay. And then anything that would, that would try to convict us, we're like, oh, that's just of the devil. <laughs> the Spirit of God has come to convict us. There is conviction that we continually walk through. We are becoming holy, and if, well, we're supposed to be coming holy, and it's a, it's a process that we're working through, uh, and, and we're not done until the very end, but the moment we, we think we're okay is the moment that we need to watch out, and that's that when you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. So, oh, so I was going to say, it's kind of like this. So we've got the Holy Spirit, right, that convicts, it's like a coach, uh, and if you've ever had a coach, uh, maybe you're on, a, say, you're on a soccer team, and that coach, if all he does is he just goes, "Hey, you guys are doing a great job. Oh man, you're doing so well. Hey, that was a great kick." If all he does is just encourage you, you're really not going to get any better. But a coach is there, and a coach is there to to spur on and to encourage and to kind of be that cheerleader. But a coach is also there to find our faults, to find our weaknesses, and to help instruct us so that we can actually improve and get better at what we're doing, right? So so in the same way, as I'm up here coaching you, but ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit. Like, I'm kind of like the assistant coach, this, the servant to the coach here, but, but it's really the Holy Spirit is your coach. He's your counselor. He's the one that has to be your counselor. If I'm your coach, we're all in trouble because I'm going to miss it. And, and you cannot rely on me. I am here to help, to train, to equip for the work of the ministry. But ultimately, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to point you to the Holy Spirit. I'm trying to get you to that place where you are hearing from the Holy Spirit, that he's the one that's directing your path day in and day out. And, and I think what we have to be so cautious of is that, that you don't just take my words as truth. Don't do that. Check it with Scripture. I want to encourage you, get in the Word. Everything that I say, don't take it as gospel. Don't take it as truth. I could be off. Someone else you listen to could be off. Here's the problem. Here's what we do is we'll hear a message. We'll hear somebody talk about something. And that all of a sudden, we establish that as truth in our life. And then even if we hear truth down the road, we go, oh, well, that's not truth. Because I heard this pastor and he said it was this. And that's what kind of establishes. So the first thing you hear is really the thing that begins to establish. It's like, it's like when you're growing up and your parents are always telling you things. Like, that's truth, right? Until you get older and you're like, that was completely wrong. Not that, not that it was with my family because my dad always told me truths. <laughs> uh, okay, let me, let me go on here. So, um, well, yes, yeah, so I, oh, I was going to say this. So in John 16, 8, it says that he, Jesus tells us, he says that he's sending the counselor or he's sending the coach who will convict the world of guilt in regards to sin, righteousness, and judgment. So again, this is what the Holy Spirit sent for, right? To convict with, for sin, righteousness, and judgment. So we do have a coach who who directs us, who hopefully we're led by His Spirit. And th- by the way, the title of this message is The Mind of the Spirit. And so I, the whole point of this is that we begin to operate out of a place of of having the Holy Spirit guide us and lead us in everything we do. It's that place of being alert. It's that place of being sober-minded that in all we do, we're actually hearing His voice and operating in those ways. And we don't operate in any other way because as soon as we do, if we're not operating with the Spirit, we're actually operating with the Spirit of this world. And who's the Spirit of this world? Who's the God of this world? So there's, there's two places to operate out of. Where do you want to operate out of? I'm going to stay over on this side. This is the good side, by the way. This is, <laughs> I want to stay in that place of always hearing his voice. Uh, okay, moving on. In verse 5, it says this. It says, Paul, oh, uh, it says, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. So this is that place. that Keeping that clear mind is actually having the mind of the Spirit. So we keep a clear mind in every situation there's four things, and I put them down as it doesn't say one, two, three, four in your Bibles, but I just I kind of broke them up here. Because the first one, keep a clear mind in every situation. The second one is don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Uh, if you back up a chapter in 2 Timothy 3:2, it says, Everyone who lives a godly life in Christ will suffer persecution. Not may. Everyone who lives a godly life will suffer persecution. So this is why he's saying, don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. You're going to do it, but it's okay. It's part of our walk with the Lord, and it actually strengthens us. Uh, The third one here is work at telling others the good news. And this is the one we've been hitting, where we're ambassadors of Christ, we're ministers of reconciliation. We're going after this. This is part of the 5,000, that we preach the gospel wherever we go. And the fourth one is, is to carry fully carry out the ministry that God has giving you. And this, this is where in, in Matthew it talks about this. It's the talents, when they were given the talents, the five, the two, and the one. And I want to be the one, or the, the, the one that, gave, that received the five and the two that multiplied them. I want to be the one where it says, well done, my good and faithful servant. And this is the thing, is, is these talents, this, where it says fully carry out the ministry God has given you, these are the talents that God has given us. And what we need to do is we begin to operate them with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm not going to focus on, on that one or on the, the, the other two, but the first one is what I want to hit on, because it's keep a clear mind in every situation. And I believe that today, this is what, this is what the Lord just wants to establish in our hearts, that we are alert in every situation. Um, I'm going to go back into the last few verses of of, uh, 2 Timothy 4, but I just want to say, Paul, he's, and and you would think this is arrogance, but it's actually what he was doing is he's like, hey, I want you guys to imitate me. And why he was saying this is because I'm imitating the Lord, but you can actually imitate the things I'm doing. And I believe even as we look at Scripture and as we see everything that Paul did, we're actually called to be imitators of Paul and imitators of Christ. Uh, But the cool part about that is we see Paul, (laughs) we see Paul went through a lot, right? He was boiled in oil, he was, he was, uh, Stoned to death. He did, I like. I don't want to imitate him in those areas. <laughs> I'll stay out of that. But the other areas, man, there's some amazing areas where where we see his life. Uh, there are healings uh, wherever he'd go. Uh, miraculous things. There was. He had more revelation and understanding than any uh, than anyone else at that time. I mean, hence the most of the New Testament was written by Paul through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but um, in, in 1 Corinthians 4, 16, it says, Therefore I urge you to imitate me. And then in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he says again, um, and well, actually, at the end of chapter 10 and then the first verse of 11, they ch- sometimes these chapter breaks are horrible. Um, but the last verse of 10, it says, For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many so that they may be saved. And then in the first verse of chapter 11, it says, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So he's exhorting us. He's saying, look, follow me as I'm following Christ. So now back in 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 through 8, uh, Paul actually shows us uh, his life as a role model as he's about now to cross the finish line. And this is at the very end of his life. He's, he's about, he knows he's about to go. And, uh, and this is what he says. He says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. So this is kind of like that Romans 12, 1, right? Where we, we actually, our bodies are a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him, as an act of worship to him. And Paul has lived this life. And so as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. Goes on to say, my time or the time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. So he uses these two There's like the fight, the battle that we're in, or the race, right? And we see this. I'm going to show you in a second here how uh, he talks about this earlier uh, in his life. But he's now done. He's about finished. He's like, I fought it. I did it. I ran the race. And he says, and now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. Paul understood the prize. He understood what was right in front of him and, and he saw it and he said, I've run the race and I'm done. I have finished it. And then he says this, this is the cool part, and he says, and the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. That word, look forward, I think the translators didn't really know how to translate that. That word is actually agape, which is really cool, that it's, it's actually for those who eagerly agape his appearing. They actually love and go after with everything that they have, his appearing. So for that, says, you will have the prize, just like I have the prize. Now, about 10 years prior to this, he writes in 1 Corinthians to the Church of Corinthians uh, in uh, chapter 9, verse 24, he says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs? But only one person gets the prize. So, different from today, where everyone gets the participation prize, right? (laughs) Like our kids, you know, they go and run a race, and you're like, oh, what place did you get? I don't know, but I got a prize. (laughs) Like, really? (laughs) Um, It was funny. Riken, he he has all these medals and things, and he was going through them uh, a few weeks ago, and he's like, he's looking at them, and he goes, well, this one I actually won, and this one I won this one was like i don't know why i got this one and he just kind of starts throwing those out and ended up throwing those away he kept all the ones that actually had meaning but the participation prizes he was like this really means means nothing to me and and i think this is the point is that guys we're in a race and we have to actually run to win the race and and this is so important i feel like that, that we get this that that in everything we do, in every, well here, let me just read on because it says it specifically. Paul says this, so run to win. I love that. <laughs> so run to win. And then he goes, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win the prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. Much more valuable than these prizes that are going to fade away, right? Right? And then he says something else amazing here. I love this. So I run with purpose in every step. Every step. And and this is what I feel like when we get the mindset of Christ, when we get the mindset of the Holy Spirit, that when we're walking in step, as it talks about in Galatians 5, uh, when we are led by the Spirit, as it talks about in Romans 8, that that we are actually being led by His Spirit in every step. And I... I know we hear this stuff, but man, I want want to get this in my heart, and I'm hoping to get this in your hearts, that, that we begin to change our mindset, that when we wake up in the morning, we're not focused on the jobs and the money and the situations at hand, but we're actually focused on Him, on the Father, and we're saying, Lord, what do you have for me this morning? How do you want me to live my life? What do you want me to do today? Now, I don't want us to all go out tomorrow and quit our jobs and be like, well, we're just going to go after the Lord. The Lord might have you in your job, for, but for a specific reason. And you may be so focused on doing your job that you're missing out on the things that the Lord actually desires for you to do to minister to some people right around you. But we can get so caught up in busyness. And I'm telling you, when I was back in Houston, I was the vice president of planning and development for a massive company, and we're, 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 we're blowing and going. I think the Lord pulled me out of that because he's like, dude, you are not living for me right now. And I was, the, the thing was, is I love the Lord, but I was so caught up in the busyness of life. I was so caught up in the busyness of my job that I actually missed out on so many opportunities. I missed out on so many opportunities to touch people's lives. Now, every once in a while, I, I would hear the Lord, and I'd be like, oh, okay, I'll do that. But I know out of the busyness of my days and the lack of sleep that I had, like, it was not the Lord's plan for my life. He might have had that plan for me to be in that job, but not to operate the way I was operating because I was operating out of a place of fear rather than trusting in the Lord. And that fear, what it does is it pushes, up, pushes us into that busyness, Right? We get so caught up in the things that we're focused on the, the next promotion, we're focused on pleasing people. Here's the thing, when we focus on pleasing God, we will please the people. When we focus on our jobs and it's not about the promotion, it's about doing everything is unto the Lord, we're gonna do it in amazing ways. But we're gonna actually, as we partner with the Lord, we learn how to do it in a kingdom way and not in the worldly way. And that's a lot different. And I'm, even for, for the youth, those, I mean, if you're in school, it's the same kind of thing. I remember praying and asking the Lord, God, give me wisdom as I take this test. It's almost like cheating, right? Like, you've got the Holy Spirit to help you with a test. And I'm like, all these people around me don't. Uh, So, but this this is what we have. We're not of this world, although we're in it, right? So as we're in this world... Let's operate in a different capacity. Let's operate with a different understanding and let's try to hold that understanding where we're listening to the Spirit in everything we do. Don't allow ourselves to get conformed to the pattern of this world. We hear about Romans 12 two says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. And we go, oh yeah, I'm not doing that. But we are daily. I do it. I, I still, I kind of get back into those ruts and, and we've got to get out of those ruts. And this, how we do it is we learn to be alert and we learn to pray continually before the Lord. Okay. That was just a little side note there. I don't know where I am now. Um, here's the next point I want to say. We need to recognize our adversary. I talked a few weeks ago about being battle ready. But we need to recognize and know our adversary. Now, well, let me say this. So, e- Ephesians 6 talks about what it says is, Paul says this, to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So, again, is that, does that have anything to do with our strength? It's all his strength, right? How do we do it? Paul goes on to talk about how we do it. He says, you do this by putting on the full armor of God. So you put on the full armor of God. I'm not going to go into it. Uh, you can read Ephesians 6. But then he says, why do you do it? So we can take our stand against the enemy's schemes, against the devil's schemes. So our strength comes from the Lord. Our power comes from the Lord. We put on the full armor of God, and that's that's our part. This is our co-laboring with the Lord. We don't just go, oh, well, he's great, and I'm just going to walk into it. He's like, you haven't put your armor on. Get your armor on and keep it on. It's funny, people go, I get, I get up in the morning and I put my armor on. I'm like, don't ever take it off. <laughs> Keep it on all the time, day and night. Uh, but uh, so, so we do it so that we can take our stand against the devil's schemes. So what's his scheme? Ultimately, it's to kill, steal, and destroy, right? We have an adversary, and he plans to take us down. In uh, 1 Peter 5.8, it talks about your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. It doesn't say God's adversary. And I want to make that clear that this, God is not up there trying to fight Satan off. There is no battle there at all. But we have a battle. We don't struggle against flesh and blood, but we struggle against principalities and powers. We struggle which means we have an adversary, which means we're in a battle. And we always go, well, the battle's finished, it's over. It's actually not. There's a promise that it will be finished, but the co-laboring actually happens through us, not through the Father, and not actually through Jesus. It's because of Jesus, and it's Christ in us, but we're actually the ones that finish the battle. We're actually the ones that now crush. It says that he will crush the head of the serpent, by us, through us. Uh, so anyway, I, I'm jumping off here, but let me back to. Uh, if you go to Luke ten nineteen, it says this: I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, and to overcome the power of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. But what he's saying there is, I I give you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome. So this is our, again, our co-laboring that we do. We're actually in this battle and we have an adversary and now we go after it. And we do have authority, which is awesome. But you know what? When, when the thoughts come in, he's called, he's called the deceiver. When the thoughts come in and we actually agree with the thoughts of the enemy, we actually release authority to the enemy. We have it, but we can give it up very easily. And we have to be careful not to give it up. And it comes through deception. He's, he's so good at deception. He takes people down. And if, if, we, if we take lightly, I've heard people say, like, he, come, he's a, he's, he acts like a roaring lion, but he's a little mouse. I'm like, he's not a little mouse. If he was a little mouse, he wouldn't take down so many people. He takes down a lot of people. And we need to be aware of our adversary. But then we need to know who we are in Christ. And when we operate in that capacity, he is like a little mouse and we can stomp him out. We have all authority and we take authority over him. Uh, In Psalm 91.13, it says, you you will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample on the great lion and the serpent. And the lion and the cobra, what that represents is, is is the devourer. The lion is the devourer and the cobra is the deceiver. So he says, you will tread upon the devourer and upon the deceiver, which is really cool. In uh, in John 8, uh, it talks about who's the deceiver. It says, who's the father of lies? It says that Satan is the father of lies. In John 10, it talks about, it says that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This is the thumbprint of the enemy. So he's the father of lies, and through the lies, through the deception, he actually comes to, to devour, to destroy, to kill, to kill. <laughs> to kill to kill steal and destroy you guys got that okay this is important that we understand this now here's the thing i have i have seen people or heard people and what they'll do is they'll focus in on like all the schemes of the of the enemy they'll even study the names of the demons and things like that look we don't need to go there. We don't need to do that. There was one time where Jesus asked the name of the demon is his legion and he cast them out. And I think out of that, what happened is, is people take that on and like, oh, I need to know all the names of the demons. and That is not important. What we need to know is the word of God. And we need to have the word of God rooted and grounded in us. Um, it's, it's interesting. There's, uh, when, when the federal agents, when they, when they train people how to, how to look at counterfeit money, they don't actually study counterfeit money. They study the real money. And in studying the real money, what happens is they get to know it. They master the real stuff. And so when they see the counterfeit stuff, they're like, oh, that's counterfeit. But they're not able to know the counterfeit stuff unless they know the real stuff. And this is what I believe we have in the church. There's an illiteracy in the church today that scares the out of me <laughs> because we're, we're, we're going to get taken down and we're going to get led astray if we're not careful. And how do we keep from doing that is we study the real thing. We don't study all the schemes of the enemy and try to figure out everything that he does and then like, oh wait, I think that's the enemy. No, when we know the real deal, we will we'll know exactly when we see the enemy's schemes. But here's the thing, and, and this is interesting. I was looking at this and if I if I even me, who I'm not an expert with, with money, and, but if I take on counterfeit money, if somebody gives me counterfeit money and I take it and I take it to the bank and I try to deposit it, technically it's a federal offense. I can go to prison for that. Now, I don't think anyone has ever gone to prison um, for like taking $100 and depositing it because they know, hey, you got taken. But what they do is the bank will take that money and like if it's, it's $100 and it's a fake $100, they'll take that money. You don't get $100. They don't go, well, we really feel bad for you here. Here's $100 from us. We'll take the hit. No, you just lost that $100. So here's the deal. When I, it's the same kind of thing when you take on false teachings, when you take on these false understandings because, you, because we lack in certain areas of our understanding of the word of God, we take that on. Guess whose responsibility that is? It's our responsibility. Guess who's gonna take the hit at the end of the day? You're not gonna be able to go, well, I took that teaching, God, I took that teaching from this guy over here. He was the one that told me that. It's like, no, 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 you have the word of God. We all, we have, every single one of us has access to this Bible in so many ways, right? We need to get this on the inside of us. We need to get this in our hearts to the point where when we hear something that's not of the Lord, we go, oh, that's not of God. And I am constantly I, I'm constantly coming into greater understanding of, of the Word of God. I don't have this all figured out. I do not have this thing even close to figure it out. But I spend hours and hours and hours in it. People are always saying, well, what book are you reading right now? This one, because I don't have time to read any other book. Like, this is the one I have to read, because I need to, get, I need to know the real thing, so that if I'm reading another book, I don't know if that's counterfeit or if that's real. This is the only one. This is the only real one. Everything else, it it might be real. It might have some truths. It might be great. And there are great books out there. But if you're not grounded in this one, if this isn't the foundation, then you're going to get taken eventually. Same thing with podcasts. Same thing with all these things. There are great podcasts out there. There's great stuff out there. But if you're not grounded in this word, you're going to take on some truths and guess whose responsibility it is. And when you go to bank to the bank to cash that in and you find out it's counterfeit, guess who's going to take the hit? You are. So, you're responsible. I would say start meditating on this word. Start getting this thing in your heart. Like, spend hours in the word. Get this thing down. We need to, be, we need to have that grounding. We need to have that, that base because... Because when the end comes, man, we are in deep trouble. I'm going to read this to you. This is, um, we just, someone read this this morning. Listen to this. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceive you, for many will come. This, I'm sorry, this is Matthew 24, starting in verse 4. Watch out that no one will deceive you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And we go, well, they're not going to deceive me. Look, they're going to deceive many. It says, You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and these are just the beginning of birth pains. Guys, we can't fear the things of this world. This is just the beginning of the birth pains, the things that are happening now. Don't operate in a place of fear and go, oh, dear Lord, this is happening. God knows what's happening, and he's establishing his kingdom on this earth. And these things, there's a shaking that's going on right now. All these things, yeah, are the beginning of the birth pains. It says, then you will be handed over to be persecuted and to be put to death and you will be hated by all nations because of me and at that time many will turn from the faith and will betray and hate each other and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness the love of most the love of most will grow cold but he who stands firm till the end will be saved and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached and the whole world, in the whole world, as a testimony to all nations, and the end will come. Guys, we've got to be rooted and grounded in this word. It is so critical. I want to end with this story. Um, this, is, this is Peter, and uh, the Lord was showing me this, and I've never seen this before in this light. And... Uh, Man, it, it just, it really hit me. And so I feel like this is kind of the critical part of what the Lord wants to just release this morning. This is that understanding that we are sober-minded, that we're alert. When we have the Holy Spirit, as I talked about, we're, we're actually, it's an uneven playing field. We have the advantage but we need to have the holy spirit we need to constantly have the holy spirit and walk with the holy spirit in Luke 22 starting in verse 31 this is right after the last supper so Jesus spends his time with his disciples and then he goes to Peter who was one of just his intimates kind of one of the one of the three that he spent spent the most time with and he and I can you can just feel even from the way Jesus says this there's just a compassion and a love for Peter that he has, and he says to Peter, Simon, Simon. <laughs> and whenever you, whenever you see that the name twice, it's like an enduring way of saying, like my brother Simon. He says, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. So Jesus knew that Satan had actually asked to sift him as wheat, in the same way Satan had asked to, to sift. Job if you look back and God said yes you can sift him uh, but don't you can't take his life but he says Satan is asked to sift you his wheat but I have prayed for you Simon that your faith would not fail how cool is it that Jesus the son of God right there is telling Simon Simon I've prayed for you guess what we have Jesus at the right hand of the father interceding for each of us right now Praying for us, saying your name. I'm praying for you right now that you don't fall into temptation, that you would not fail, that you would have faith. You've got Jesus praying for you at the right hand of the Father right now. He says this He says, And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. He already knew he was going to turn back. And he says, I want you to strengthen your brothers. What does Peter do right after that? Peter does what Peter always did. He, he responded out of a place of, of not hearing the Lord, but, but his own mindset. He did the same thing back in Matthew 16 when uh, when the Lord said, look, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be persecuted. I'm going to die. Uh, and, and Peter pulls him aside and he goes, no way, Lord. Ain't going to happen. And he rebuked it. And the Lord said, and Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. In the same way here, he says this. He goes, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. I'll go. I'll do whatever. Like, I'm ready to die for you. Jesus responds and he says, I tell you, Peter, before the crow or the rooster crows, today, not like six months from now, the same day, before he crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. Three times. We know the story, but I, and I just want to jump up, so I'm going to jump down to verse 60, and it says this in Luke 22:60. 60. So this is the third time that he denies Christ. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. It says, and the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. If you can imagine this moment of Jesus was actually there and Peter denied him a third time, and the and the rooster crows, and Jesus turns and looks right at Peter. His heart had to just melt, like, "Oh God, I just I, earlier this day I said I would go to." Prison.